if it gets any jazzier than that, I might get up and start dancing right here in front of in front of everybody. Peace and grace and good afternoon. Good afternoon to all and thank you so much. I greet you in peace and in grace. You're now listening to Rochelle Wilson of the Make Some Intelligent Noise Multimedia Justice Movement. You can always catch up with me here at WHGE 95.3 FM. You will find me on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and always podcasting via Anchor, Spotify, iHeart, and Apple Radio. Today, in the studio, we are going to engage in a highly spiritual conversation. If you ain't ready, then I suggest you turn the station. But if you're ready, then sit back, relax, and enjoy, and prepare yourself to be in the presence of greatness. Ladies and gentlemen, today with me in the studio, I have Bishop George Gibson. Bishop George Gibson is the new president for IMAC, Interdenominational Ministers Action Council. He is also the shepherd of Love Nation, the worship cathedral. He has both a master and a doctorate in divinity. He is known as the preacher's preacher because he advises and counsels other senior pastors. He is the author of three books. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Bishop George Gibson. Peace and grace, sir. Well, good afternoon to you, and thank you for uh, having me to come and to share with you uh, on this uh, afternoon and on, uh, on a beautiful Saturday, an autumn day uh, that God has blessed us with. So I'm just grateful uh, to be in your presence and to be in the company of uh, Facebook Live and the podcast and all those that uh, may be sharing and watching on today. Well, I must say, the radio audience can't see you. Our Facebook can see you. My podcast can't see you. But, Bishop, you looking fly today, <laughs> sir. <laughs> With your cool cap on. I just think it's it's absolutely uh, uh, amazing and Thank it's awesome. You. So let's start with making sure that everyone understands that is listening or watching. <laughs> what is a bishop and what is a president of IMAC, starting with what is IMAC? So IMAC is the Interdenominational Ministers Action Council, uh, which is a, a group and a collaboration of pastor churches uh, throughout uh, Delaware. And um, we come together to make sure that we are uh, sharing the concerns of community, uh, those that we need to help and those that we need to share with, those that we need to make sure that we are uh, making sure uh, resources are made available to them, uh, um, making sure that the uh, uh, the community has a clear understanding of how uh, uh, politics and governmental officials supposed to work in their favor. No sense voting for all these people if there's no accountability uh, that is attached to them. So that's kind of our attaché case to make sure that uh, we speak. Uh, you know, uh, power, uh, you know, peace and, and truth to power, 
uh, that uh, our needs be met and people see us in a righteous way. So you, if I'm paraphrasing that and bringing that all the way back around, you're saying that IMAC is engaged in holding our political affiliates accountable. Yes, dear. Okay, I love that. It's good mm -hmm. to have somebody mm -hmm. holding other folks accountable yeah. uh, for the decisions that are made. And then the, and then the whole part of, of, of the bishopric, uh, being a bishop which uh, is considered a, a prince of the Lord's church. And so uh, I am a pastor's pastor. So uh, in the particular reformation that I belong to called Kingdom International Consortium, uh, I serve as the chairman of the advisory council, and then I serve as the international uh, ambassador. So I do a lot of work internationally. And, uh, and so um, these particular places, and then I'm kind of, with the, at this juncture in my life, I'm kind of like this, the sage, you know, the father figure, you know, uh, that they, they pay deference to. I've, I've been in this, some people talk about, you know, I've been in something half your life. Well, I've been in this three-thirds of my life. I mean, three-fourths of my life. I've been pastoring for 40 years. I've been preaching for 46 years. And I've been a bishop for 13 years. So I've been doing this for a minute. I, I feel that I'm sitting in the presence of greatness and of power. And uh, that that has only happened to me a few times before. Uh, not so long ago, I had the Honorable Minister Robert Muhammad from the Masjid number 35. What a man of amazing power and authority as you just sit mm -hmm. in his presence. And I, I want to make sure that all of our listening audience understands that although we may have different routes that we're taking to get to the promised land, <laughs> uh, there is no contention or cantankerous energy between the Christian and our Muslims. Indeed, indeed. I, uh, I find it a, a joy. I was just sharing uh, with my core team about if IMAC is going to be interdenominational, and uh, across the lines, we have we got a meeting this morning: Catholic, Presbyterian, Unitarians, Methodists, Baptists, Charismatics, you know, Word of Faith, you know, Pentecostal. So uh, every time we do something, we had a a, a large march early this year uh, to Rodney Square, and and the Muslim brothers are always with me. You know, and I have a great relationship with the imams. And I said to um, uh, the IMAC uh, core team, I said, I, I want to, I want to engage them in a conversation, and ask them to become a part of IMAC because they, they're always supporting, you know, the social, uh, you know, events, things that have to do with the racial tensions. You know, gun violence, and you know they always standing up. You know when when we marched around the square, they were there thick. I wasn't worried about nothing. I knew I was covered. You know, what I mean? <laughs> and so and so I think that's important. And even when I you know lived in Philadelphia, when I um, you know back in the day we had to, you know a lot of gang war contention. Um, there was a you know when that crack epidemic hit. You know, there was like crack houses, there were 
you know, there were heroin houses and, and, and it would be boarded up places, but behind them, activity would be going on. So we had to do some things and do some marches. And uh, I remember doing marches and I would minister. My people would come out like from 10 p.m. at night to 2 a.m. in the morning because the streets are hot. Right, you know, is that, that's, that, new, that's, that's the new prime day. time. That's new day, and so what? What I found was a great joy to me is that there would be senior citizens saying, "I can go out and sit on my porch because Reverend's in the neighborhood." That's right, and I that's had right. all my people, and you know, I had some other close cops that were part of my ministry, and this, that, and the other, but. The, the brothers again. The Muslim brothers will walk. They will walk with you. I, I I love that they're so powerful mm -hmm. and disciplined, and that they they know as much about Jesus mm -hmm. Yeshua yeah. as perhaps you know yeah. Yeah. Uh, and study. So we are not enemies. We That's are right. actually That's comrades. Right. We are comrades. And so moving forward from there. Let's go into that conversation mm -hmm. about our young people here in Wilmington, uh, but all across the nation. Mm -hmm. uh, I spoke with last night. I had the opportunity and the honor to sit in the presence of former Mayor Jim Sills, who spoke very passionately about churches and masjids becoming more active uh, and offering more services for our young people and returning citizens. Can you speak to Mayor Sills about that? Yes, I think that um, the pandemic has put us in such an unprecedented time. We're almost coming up on two years that uh, my church has been virtual and um, it has caused us to rethink to be more creative and innovative of how we present church, how we present God, how we present that relationship. Uh, during the course of the pandemic, we've been feeding probably every quarter uh, 500 families who give food to that, um, that would serve them for a week. And we did that with Michelle Harley. We did that with uh, Sherry Dorsey uh, and Walker. Um, we did that, I can't think of the girl's name, up in, uh, up in uh, Newcastle County, Kendra. Uh, oh, Kendra, yes. Kendra, and, and, uh, and so, we, so we've been doing those things around the town to aid people, but what is happening is uh, that's where we head. We're headed back to a community-oriented church ministry with the needs of the community are being provided and the resources are being now given to churches to make sure uh, that they uh, distribute property. I think that on Sunday, um, the Bible talks about bringing all tithes and offering into a storehouse that he may have meat in his house. I think that the church is a storehouse on Monday and a warehouse Monday through Saturday. So I think Sunday is the storehouse, Monday through Saturday is the warehouse with the trucks back up. They get the product and the produce and they take it and distribute it to the people that, that need it. So we've been really uh, involved in, in the Ida piece uh, and when Hurricane Ida came because uh, we don't have floods here. And I was sharing with the mayor 
I said we took too long to to respond to people. We were not prepared for this. And so uh, my heart gets heavy when people are sleeping in their cars, uh, when people are on dialysis and in wheelchairs and all that, have nowhere to go. And then people trying to stay in the houses where there's water, when there's water, there's gonna be mold. And, and that's respiratory problems. And that this keeps going on and on and on. And so um, I said to him that we have to put together a strategic plan because, because global warming says it's going to happen again. Yeah, see, global warming. That's scary. It's a little daunting. It is because what's happening is we are not accustomed to floods, tornadoes, and hurricanes. That is not what goes on on the East Coast. No. But global warning brought Ida here. Yes. And people, a hundred families or more, were affected. We got the, a little taste of it. It was only a small on, taste uh -huh. in yeah. comparison to, yeah. say, Puerto Rico or uh, uh, Haiti or New, other, New Orleans, New Orleans or something. Yeah. Or something. Mm -hmm. yeah. But what happens is the little taste put us in such a disparity because we weren't ready for the little taste. We weren't ready for the, so we know we can't handle a big taste. <laughs> so we have to make sure, we have to make sure that we, see that, that's where the strategic planning of, of emergency management comes in. You know, I was working with all of them. We, um, IMAC, we, we um, part of my job as, as the president is to make sure I'm always connecting dots. I have, I have people to do the, do the legwork because if vision is properly communicated, people would become the hands and feet. And so we collaborated with uh, AFL-CIO, the unions, and uh, we collaborated with Delaware Father and the Family Coalition because I'm the, I'm the president of the Newcastle County Delaware Father and Family Coalition. So we collaborated with them, and I was able to bring um, 150 backpacks that had toiletries and blankets in them. Took that stuff to the warehouse. Then uh, we took, uh, I had each church in IMAP to adopt a family. Hmm. They adopted a family and we brought clothes to the families. Aww. And then w what I asked the union to do is they sponsored us uh, with uh, $2,500. So we gave out uh, $100 gift certificates to families and then we gave out because they needed toiletries, they needed cleaning supplies. And so, but whatever needs to be done, we have to make sure that we have the resources to provide it. What has happened is that we come full circle in regards to what you were saying, because the politicians are different one, when, when things don't go the way they need to go, they, they'll send, us, send me a letter or give me a call saying, I need you to do this. Well, if you had me at the table in the beginning, <laughs> Right. And you gave me resources to do it, I could have got it done for you yes. so that now we will have to be backpedaling back here because your plan didn't work. So I think th th these things are important that we continue to collaborate. I, I do stuff uh, with United Way. Uh, Michelle is just a, a great tailor, just a great friend. And Ms. Michelle. Oh, yeah. Michelle. Taylor. Taylor. Oh, Taylor. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. She's, she's the CEO, but she's just. She's just on top of everything. She's just yes. really good people. Awesome. And she has a heart for people. That's what you have to connect to. You have to have people that are like-minded. Yes, like-minded um, and, and not unequally yoked. Mm -hmm. And so I say with the most humility and yet the honor and respect, 
it was um, Bishop Aretha Morton that invited me and allowed me to come and sit in the IMAC, uh, you know, background and be a part of that. And in a private backdoor conversation with her, I, I said something to her about me being one of the greatest sinners that she's ever, ever met. And I say curse words and she said, baby, <laughs> sometimes, you know, and she told me that as long as she was a member of IMAC, I would be a welcome guest mm -hmm. to IMAC. And so I honor you and yeah. I thank you for that. And I honor her. Oh, uh, I love her. I just fall at that woman's feet. And she gave me permission to say a curse word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. She I said it's okay every once in a while. Yeah. But I respect what you're saying and I think that's, that's powerful. There's a lot in there. And what it says to me... Uh, is that you're a very busy man and that you're a very powerful man. And I love how you frame that, uh, that you connect the dots and you have the hands and the feet. If, the, if you have the vision, mm -hmm. the hands and the feet will They're come. I, I, I absolutely, I absolutely love that. Uh, I, I want iMac to adopt me. I want someone <laughs> to adopt me. <laughs> adopt makes some intelligent noise. But I want to go into something that really is very serious. In all the work that you do, in all of the people and the policies and the politicians that you work to bring together and bring resolution and solution, at the end of the day, who is it going to be that helps our young people just be young people <laughs> and not not so violent and angry and like what can you speak to our young people I think that for me I, I grew up in a time where I had great men in my life hmm. uh, you know part of my background was uh, I was a Philadelphia basketball prodigy and so uh, my parents would not have been able to put me through school my basketball prowess gave me 250 scholarships. Wow. And so I, I, I could have gone anywhere I wanted to go. Sonny Hill, who's been in my life since I was 12 years old, um, and uh, Ted Blunt, who's been in my life all my life. And, uh, He's an amazing man. Uh, amazing man. And uh, to this day, I still call on him and sit at his feet as my mentor. Love Ted Blunt to death. And uh, I had, I had, because of him, I had the privilege of, of growing up with Marla and Lisa. So they're my friends. Yes. You know, and um, then um, I, 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 Earl Pearl Monroe, who is uh, one of the 50 top uh, NBA players in the league from New York, these guys sent me to Winston-Salem State. That's where Ted went. That's where Earl went. Went to Winston-Salem State and played for uh, the legendary, the late, uh, Clarence Big House Games, and uh, when I graduated, uh, I was drafted in the fourth round by the Philadelphia 76ers. So my, my, my life is kind of different than most preachers and pastors, and so uh, what I noticed as I was coming up, the recreation centers were open. The pallies were going on. Uh, I used, we used to I used to play during the summer in three, four leagues. So I'll go from one part of town to the other part of town, the other part of town. But, but now these recreation centers are not open. 
Uh, there's, there's nothing. Is that do. by design? And and keep it real. Mm -hmm. Is that by design that in our in particular communities these centers are closed down, and other communities they're wide open and available? Yeah, I, I think I think it's one. I think it is by design one. But I also think that um, sometimes we don't have people in the right places to bring about the right programmatics. To, to engage the young people. Um, so and, yeah. so you're familiar with um, you're familiar with all of these different agencies. I don't have to call mm -hmm. them by name. You know all the different agencies, mm -hmm. but they, they say they're out there helping kids, and mm -hmm. some of them really are, mm -hmm. and some of them are waiting for government paychecks, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, and so we won't discuss who's waiting for the check and who's really helping, but for those groups of people that are truly helping, it's still only small numbers. Well, I think it's small numbers because there's limited resources. I know, you know, you and I, um, rubber hit the road um, when we talk about education and the school systems in our inner city. They don't have the resources. I don't do they have know have the resources. But as you know, five of the schools closed down. You know, during the, during the pandemic and. Uh, it was interesting because um, we're doing some different things in, in relocating now. And I was talking uh, to one of the gentlemen who was uh, the realtor for the archdiocese. The 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 churches have maintained through the pandemic, but a lot of the schools closed. And so what happens is that this whole disparity in in education and you know, the whole red line in it, you know, all this, and, and for me, you know, I'm from Philly, so I don't do good in the good old boys club. All right I, now, I, I, come I, on, I, Bishop. That bothers me, you know, when four or five families, you know, run the whole state, you know, and, uh, you know, so so for me, and because I don't owe nobody nothing, I, nobody's done nothing for me here, so, you know, I'm at the stage in my life and, uh, you know, my, my, my filters have, have gone thin. <laughs> so so I, I don't know how to say nothing but what I say. You that's know? right, so, that's right. And so, uh, you know, uh, in my tenure so far uh, in IMAC, uh, I have seen the mayor and, and me and him have another meeting coming up because that was an emergency meeting. I got some other stuff I need to come around, talk to him, uh, shared a couple of times. Uh, with Chief Tracy, and uh, you know, because he, he called me, you know, he calls me uh, quite often. And then never, uh, 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 who's that? Senator Carper. Yes. Uh, Senator Darius Brown. Who's uh, a member of IMAC? Who's a member of IMAC? I just met with Senator Coons Thursday. I meet with the governor this coming Thursday. I meet with Lisa um, Blunt Rochester the following week. I've already talked to uh, the lieutenant governor because I need to meet with her because I have concerns about uh, uh, the board of pardons and who's on the parole board because they keep sending our people back because nobody on the parole board looks like us. You know what I mean? And so, and so you know, you have these, you know, these underlying issues of, you know, people 
who, who, who have the boats and the planes and the trafficking and all that stuff, they get slapped on their hand and uh, our people get caught with a bag of weed and they send them away for 15 years. They, so, so all that stuff, that, that has to stop. You know, I mean, just, well, you yeah. know one of the things you said that I love so much, and I'm just going to dovetail off of that, yeah. you said, you know, you, you basically the paraphrase again is that you don't hold back. You don't yeah. hold your tongue back. You're going to yeah. say, you're going to tell it like it is. Yeah. And you can be polite and diplomatic, yeah, but yeah. still tell the truth. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that. I believe that's the seat that I am yeah. uh, aspiring to sit mm -hmm. in, where I can just be honest, mm -hmm. tell the truth, and as long as I'm telling it the way God gave it to me, yes. Then I'm not. I'm. I'm. I don't feel afraid or concerned. Yeah, because you but know, but this you is know not about us. You know, man. You know what my auntie told me. Mm -hmm. She she's 86, and she said, uh, "Now, Ronnie, almost like a yeah. Bishop Aretha yeah. Morton, yeah. right? You know, one of those elders yeah. sit you down, <laughs> and she says, you know, don't talk about X, Y, and Z because people won't like you, and it could put your life." in danger yeah, sure. yeah. and so I pose that question to you do you ever feel that you are going to be or that you are a target because you keep it real and give it to them raw? Well, I, I, I don't feel that e even if I did you know I, I think that uh, you know you know I'm, I'm from Philly I, I'm from North Philly. I grew up in gang war time, so I could still throw hands. You know? yeah. I hear you, Bishop. I hear you. So, so, yeah, so, take the earrings yeah, out. Take yeah, the, you know what I mean? I it's still a Philly party. Yeah, okay, yeah, yes, so sir. I, I, don't, I don't worry about those things. And uh, uh, my guys that are part of my ministry, like, you know, like I just had a business meeting in uh, Fort, La Fort Lauderdale um, Monday and Tuesday. Well, my congregation don't let me travel by myself. And I always have one of the guys or either two of the guys, they'll travel with me just to make sure I'm good and make sure I need what I need, have what I have, mm -hmm. and I don't have to worry about anything but the business at hand. Yes. You know, so they, they kind of lift the burden off, off of me. And I think that th that's sometimes what is missing from, from ministry. I think everybody has their role. Everybody has their gift in but I, I don't I don't lead in the weeds. You know, if I give you something, I'm not gonna look over your back and see if you're gonna do it. I just expect you to take on the responsibility and accountability and bring back whatever the report is. Yes. Know? And so for me, I have uh, I have great leaders uh, in in my ministry, and uh, they 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 honor and and respect me. So for them, part of it is they they protect the gift. Yes. Because I'm not a gift to me, yes. I'm a gift to them. Yes. So they, they protect the gift. And so I yes. think that's just important. You are the conduit yeah. to which the message mm -hmm. and the work is mm -hmm. done. Yeah. So you are just the physical, mm -hmm. but the true spirit that mm -hmm. comes through you mm -hmm. is what has to yes. be protected. Indeed. And as long as you were in alignment with that which is greater than yourself to mm -hmm. deliver the work and the message, mm -hmm. I mean, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. You Something to that effect. That's it. That's it. Indeed. So I, I, I respect that as well. I don't have people following me around, but mm -hmm. I feel that I have a message, that I have a purpose for sure. being here. And sure. I don't have anyone that protects me or guides mm -hmm. me. 
but my angels unseen. And so um, I feel pretty good about that. I just want to really quickly. Oh, and we're at the 15 minute mark. So I have to I have to do this. You're listening to WHGE 95.3 FM, the one and only the first black owned, black operated, black news information and advocacy station in the city of Wilmington and perhaps the state of Delaware. We are broadcasting to you in Delaware as well as Philadelphia and New Jersey. You're listening to Rochelle Wilson for Make Some Intelligent Noise with my honorable and esteemed guest, Bishop George Gibson, president of the IMAC organization. And so I want to just, I don't have my glasses on, but (laughs) being is, I know when you get our age, right? So, but I want to kick a few Bible verses to Mm -hmm. you and ask you a question. And then I want you to just give it to me raw. Mm -hmm. So Psalms 91, seven says a thousand may fall, but it will not come near you. Exodus tells us if you obey carefully uh, his commands and decrees, I will not bring disease upon you. Uh, there's another Bible phrase here that says um, Psalms 121 and 7, the Lord will keep you from all harm. And finally, in Mark 1 and 34, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. And Isaiah 41 and 10 says, do not fear, for I am the Lord your God and I am with you. And so my question would be uh, for those folks who do believe in those Bible verses, mm-hmm. Why are we taking COVID vaccine shots? I think that uh, when you talk about uh, vaccination, and uh, I'm at the stage in life uh, that uh, I have had many. To go to school coming up, uh, there was the polio vaccination. Uh, There was uh, the chicken pox. Um, uh, There was a series of vaccinations. as I traveled uh, across abroad, there are oftentimes like going to Africa, West Africa, I know I had to take malaria pills, I had to take a few other pills, and so I haven't had, going to India, I had to take shots. So there's places that you have to take different vaccinations. Uh, I think that um, when you look at, and let me go this way, when you look at the statistics, and then I listen to the science, and I'm on calls with the governor, lieutenant governor, every week, uh, talking about the vaccination, talking about COVID. Um, and so, when you look at the statistics, prior to the vaccination, some 660,000 people died from COVID. Since the vaccination, we have had some 80,000 to 85,000 people who have died who have been 98% unvaccinated. Well, if the statistics say that some 80,000, 85,000 people have died who are unvaccinated over against 2% that are still alive because they've been vaccinated, the statistics show you the disparity that what's it, that the vaccination is not about black and white, because white people want them to get vaccinated just as fast as everybody else. And in our state, it's it's the white people, the Latinos, and the black that are at the bottom in regards to not coming to get vaccinated. Now, here's, here's the piece. 
these of the 80, 85,000 change in regards to age. So now the millennials have been dying. They have been affected because they are the ones that are unvaccinated. I'm, I'm up to get my booster shot uh, in about a week or two. And so uh, for me, uh, I, I don't despair against uh, faith and, and medical and science. I think they aid one another. I actually believe that God has placed doctors in position, in place, uh, not only to preserve our life, but to help us in life and living, and that they also have a ministry of hope and healing to people. Well, I certainly can respect your position, and it's getting to the point, uh, I don't know about the rest of the world, but I do find here, at least in Delaware, because this is where I, mm -hmm. I reside, uh, it, it's coming down to a us-against-them kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. uh, if folks do not receive the vaccine, then they are ostracized. They are not allowed to work. They are not allowed to you know, do a lot of things. They can't travel. To, they can't go. They can't do things. And so uh, in, this, in, the, in the numbers that I looked at, and I looked at those this morning, mm -hmm. uh, which I should have that information in mm -hmm. front of me, and I do not. But it said 54% of white people that are that are against the are against the vaccine uh, in the non-vaccinated group. 54% are white. Mm -hmm. I mean, 52% are white, and 54% of the unvaccinated mm -hmm. are black, brown, and golden people. Mm -hmm. So in the scheme of things, it is not about black and white. It is simply about my body, my choice. Mm -hmm. So if it's my body, my choice, uh, why, why am, I'll just use me. But there's 330,000 Americans that are not being employed mm -hmm. because they won't receive the vaccine. Can you speak to that? Yes, I think that... Uh I think we pick and choose what we want to fight about. And what I mean by that is that uh, when we go to the doctor, right, um, some of us know our doctors and some do not. For some of us, either one, for some of us, the emergency room is our doctor because we don't have the insurance. Mm -hmm. Okay, so medical bureaucracy is not about how you feel, but how do you plan to pay your bill. So, but my point here is, to your point, that we go to the doctor who writes a script in Latin. You take the script to the pharmacy. You don't know that pharmacist behind the door. <laughs> pharmacist in turn reads what your script requires puts it in the bottle, puts a piece of paper around the bottle, tell you how often you need to take it. Now mind you, you just left the doctor, you got a script you can't read, <laughs> you now take it to a, a pharmacist you don't know, who gives you some pills you are not acquainted with, and then when you get home, pop, pop, this is, you take them, well, okay, so, so if you're doing all that, Go ahead and get the vaccination, because if the vaccination is going to keep you alive over against you dying, watch this, and here goes the responsibility piece. If you steal your brother's keeper, 
if you steal your sister's keeper, you being unvaccinated puts them in arm's way. Just like them being vaccinated keeps you in a safe way. I think if you can't read the script in Latin, go ahead and get the and stop all this nonsense. Because what happens is we we come again, we come up with whatever we want to come up that we want to fight against. But there's places and spaces that if you have to go some places for for a point, I said going into the military. There's some things you got to do that you don't want to do, but you got to do it because you want to be a part of that particular branch of military. I think that, I think my, my, my mother used to say, pick and choose your battles. You don't yes. have to fight everything. Right, you know absolutely. Yeah. Not, not, not but I do think it's, it's coming to that. It is coming mm -hmm. to a fight because mm -hmm. those that have been vaccinated may be along the same lines of thinking that mm -hmm. you're along, mm -hmm. that we, the unvaccinated, are causing them to get sick. But mm -hmm. but my question and all of that, and I'm not I'm not as smart as you. Mm -hmm. I don't have any degrees mm -hmm. like you. I'm, I'm really, I dropped out of college. Mm -hmm. But my natural sense that I do have says if the vaccine, is alleged to prevent you from getting the COVID, then how is me not being vaccinated going to give it to you if you got the shot? See, there's something wrong in all of that. No. There's something wrong in that. Watch this. But they call, they say that I'm the conspiracy theorist. Well, watch this, watch this. What you just said, I understand what you just said, but let me take it further. Remember now, um, viruses, uh, they mutate. So we don't just have COVID now. You know, we have the Delta variant strain, we have the Lambda variant strain, and we have the Mu variant strain. Each strain is more contagious than the other. And what I just suggest that if in fact the people are staying alive with COVID, I just think that if you're not going to get COVID and the vaccine can help you with this to fight it, because you could get COVID with the vaccination. Right. It helps you fight it. You don't become as severe. Watch this. My son, one of my minister's sons. And I appreciate you saying that. 39 years old. 39 years old. Just was in the hospital for 12 days. It worried me to no end because I thought I was going to lose him because he had pneumonia, the COVID attacks pneumonia and it attacks your lungs and he had some really dark days or doing that 12 a month but he was able to fight through uh, to get on the other side of it but uh, you know he was one of the best ones but I got other friends that, that haven't been able to fight through it you know and it took, and it took them out. And, and the statistics just keeps on showing us if you're vaccinated, you're in a safer space. The unvaccinated now are the ones that's dying. That's just what it is. You know, and I'm talking about, and, you know, we talk, we're talking about real numbers. We're talking about 18 to 40. The numbers have yeah. changed. Yeah. 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 
Well, we can talk some more about that off air. There's some things that, uh, you know, I just am not allowed to say on air. Uh, but off air, I will tell you some more uh, information or share some more information with you. And we can agree to disagree uh, as we move forward. That's the one thing I love and respect about you is that you really are a real man. Like you just, you're really a human being. And I, I like that. You're not this holier than thou, even though you have all these holy titles, yeah. you don't go around walking around acting like you're holier than thou. Yeah. And you and I have been uh, good yeah. enough where we've had the opportunity to agree to disagree. Yeah. You've called me yeah. on some issues like, hey, Rochelle, I want you to know uh, some things here, X, Y, and Z. So I appreciate that and I appreciate our relationship on that. Um, so now let's talk about something. We're going to rewind mm -hmm. a little bit uh, and go back to something you said a little bit ago. You said one of the reasons that perhaps you and, and some other folks, young people had mentors, they had fathers, they had strong men in their lives. And I have to tell you, I don't have to tell you, that a lot of our strong men are incarcerated. So you have little Johnny or, you know, little Malik or whoever, Shabazz, growing up without dad because dad is incarcerated and maybe Malik Shabazz is angry or whatever his trauma may be. So Malik goes out and he does what he does. And innocent women sitting on their front porch, you know, get shot and get killed. So with them being incarcerated that's massive incarceration of the black brown and golden man you took the fathers out of the households what what can be done what is being done i just talked to my son last night who said to me you know and i want to be careful cuz i always want to protect him you know mom everything that they're telling you out there isn't always happening inside of here mm -hmm. so do you have any thoughts on that yeah I, I think that what what you said was uh what was dead on i think that many of our men are incarcerated in that whole warehouse institution of um, billion dollar industry <laughs> you know and uh you know, they, they choose to build, you know, jails rather than build schools. And, um, and, and, and the system is so broken. The system is so, so fragmented and fractured. It's not. It's 400 years yeah. of perfection. Yeah. And yeah, what yeah, we're yeah, doing yeah. now, people like yourself, yeah. IMAC, and yeah. other small agencies, even my little self, mm -hmm. What we're doing now is throwing a monkey wrench, mm -hmm. causing everything yeah. to kind of act crazy yeah. Yeah. because we're throwing a monkey wrench into the system mm -hmm. that has been a perfectly well-oiled machine yeah. for 400 years. Sure, sure. I, I, and, 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 and thank you for, for that because um, our, our fighting against uh, this system is definitely laws and legislations that have to be changed and uh, what, what has happened is that sometimes I, I, I hear Alicia Clark says often she says she says we, we can't wait for people to fund our freedom I love Alicia you know, you know that I uh, love her that we have to we have to work hard at, at, at funding our own emancipation. And um, I think for, for us, as, as you were just saying a second ago, that our, our 
our men from from church life and other lives are going to have to just uh, step up uh, to to try to 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 mentor to adopt to do what is ever is necessary uh, because of you know our, our kids are caught in this vicious cycle and they and they can't get out of it and they're innocent they don't yeah. even know they're in a cycle yeah. poor babies they don't know it that's right poor babies yeah. Yeah. So, you know what I was thinking, and this is probably so rudimentary, it doesn't even make any good sense, but understanding that it is a billion-dollar industry that human beings being incarcerated creates and generates wealth. Yes, we, we all know that. We all understand that. So what if we created some kind of way, another way for, for those powers that be that, to get that billion dollars mm -hmm. without incarcerating um, human beings. Is there is there any like logic to that? Well, well, well there's logic to, the, to it because you said it. Can, can that happen? No. Okay. Because, um, you know, part of the, as you know, we just said in Dominican, part of the medical bureaucracy is about not how you feel, how do you plan to pay your bill. <laughs> right. But, this, but the medical bureaucracy connected to the pharmaceutical hmm. says, we, we don't want to heal you. We just want to keep you dependent on hmm. something to keep you needing mm -hmm. this to keep you alive. Come on, come you know, on, so, tell it so, now. So tell what it. happens is that the, the machinery of medical bureaucracy and pharmaceutical, you, 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 you're not going to be able to disrupt that, just like the whole prison piece in regards to uh, the money maker that it is. But I, but I do hear what you say, and I think this is what is going on, that I do believe that there are constant monkey wrenches being thrown into these uh, systemic, you know, areas. Uh, that that is really shaking up, mm. you know, the people at the top, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, you know we, we have to continue to to, to support the Lisa Blunt Rochester's and, yes. and all that that gang that 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 is really uh, focused on shaking them uh, up. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah and, shaking them, sh yeah. turn it upside turn down it, and it, shake yeah. it. Yeah, and so and so what happens is uh, the, those those people that are, are are fighting for us like that. We have to, you know, even with the, uh, you know, the Black Caucus down in Dover, the, the, you know, Darius and that gang, they're doing a great job down there. Well, we, we got to keep moving with them. And, I yeah, love you know, Senator Elizabeth Tizzy yeah, Rock. No, that's my baby girl. Tizzy and House yeah. Representative Melissa Mimi yeah, Brown. Yeah, oh, my yeah. God, I just love her. Yeah, and so, yeah. and so, and, and so. And, and, we're, and we're in the, the age, you know, I don't just call it the year of the woman, I think it's the age of the woman. And I think that, uh, you know, we have to make sure that we're, uh, we're supporting, you know, our, our, our black and brown sisters because uh, they have, have something to offer and, and, and their passion, you know, is a flame. You know, I was so happy to find out, I'm glad you said that, I was so happy to find out in my interview with the Honorable Minister Robert Muhammad, as well as with Minister John Muhammad, mm -hmm. they both validated that women in Islam are considered as divine feminines. Okay, okay. Yeah, that they're not 
the women are not put down, okay. but okay. God has a very strong purpose for the woman. I do. You know, I do. I do. does the church also believe in divine uh, feminine? Well, I don't think they do it the same way in divine feminine. But here's here's a point for you uh, to ponder that uh, in seminary now, uh, women are seventy thirty more than men graduating from seminary. Mm -hmm. And so now when you look around uh, the United States especially, uh, there are a lot of women taking now uh, prominent pulpits uh, because uh, they paid their dues and, uh, and, 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 and have, a, have a voice uh, that, that, that wants to be heard. Um, uh, it changes as you go around the globe, though, because mm. you know there's different stance yes. around the globe. The cultures yes. change, and you know, so you got to yes. respect. I tell people, you got to respect where you are. Know, yeah. know the weather you're flying in. You know. Well, I certainly, I am a woman power believer, mm -hmm. and I do pray all over this world mm -hmm. that eventually men and women will come to see that women mm -hmm. uh, can be used. Uh, for God's purpose, just like a man, mm -hmm. uh, you know, even to eat at some point greater extents. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm sorry, I have to take it that I can give birth mm -hmm. and, and Bishop, you cannot. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> so I think that makes me, uh, me and all like me mm -hmm. pretty, pretty important. So taking from that because uh, there's so much to talk about but taking from that I want to also go in to my next question so as a divine woman I do have the divine uterus mm -hmm. the ability to give life God gave me that and it is a gift mm -hmm. we know that in organ trafficking women particularly young girls are being captured kidnapped murdered and these organs are being taken from their body, in particular, their uteruses. Mm -hmm. These uteruses are then somehow, I don't know how, I'm sure we can figure out how they end up into the hands of these great scientists, mm -hmm. right, who are experimenting with implanting uteruses mm -hmm. into natural-born men. Mm -hmm. These natural-born men say, God made a mistake, I shouldn't have been a man, I should be a woman, I should have a uterus, and I should have babies. Any thoughts on that? Well, for me, I uh, I am just clear cut when it comes to God doesn't make mistakes, <laughs> and so if if Creator can create you, how can now creature tell Creator that He made a mistake? Thank you. You know what I mean? So, so for me, that there's no discussion about that. I, I really abhorred uh, the whole sex trafficking, uh, the young girls that are being taken and mm. being sex slave and being bought and sold to sheiks and all those oh and all. Oh, my God. It's, it's, just, it's just something that we have to really continue not only to pray about, but to intercede on, uh, because it is just, um, it's, it's just, it's just frightening to know that those things, you know, are, are happening, and that, that, that people steal babies like they're stealing candy, 
to, to give to somebody else and and what you were talking about, the, you know, the, the even the, not to, to, just just the uterus, but you know, the, the harvesting of other people's organs. The kidney all, uh, is the number yeah, one yeah, of yeah. all the organs, mm -hmm. and of, and the uterus is number two. Mm -hmm. But the kidney is number one for the most harvested. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they want that organ. Yeah. Ten thousand, according to the research, ten thousand worldwide per day. So ten thousand. Per day, how are you going to do that? Like yeah. I don't even, I, I can't even can fathom rest. that. Oh, yeah. So some of us are donating, and that's fine. I'm going to donate you my yeah. kidneys yeah. or my liver or whatever, yeah. and that's fine if I yeah. donate it. Yeah. But do not grab me up because I'm coming out of the supermarket and just, and just take, you know, and just take me. I have a problem with that. Indeed, indeed. indeed. I have a problem with that, and and, and, and I, I want to make it. That's that's so inhumane. It is inhumane. And I want to be very clear, you know, I believe that my LGBTQ, and, oh, right? I, I want to be sure, I want them to be sure that I don't care what your thing is. Because mm -hmm. you got to deal with yourself and something higher than yourself with that. We all have sins. I like yeah. to drink, you know, I drink vodka. Yeah. I'm sorry, Bishop, yeah, I do. And, uh, you know, so we all have our own sin. If that's your sin, then that's your sin. I don't care about that. But mm -hmm. my issue is do not take our beautiful little young girls, mm -hmm. take them, snatch up their uteruses, and then allow scientists to put them into men. Mm -hmm. uh, like, that's where my issue yeah. comes in. Well, that's, that, that, again, that, that, that's one, not only inhumane, I think, that, that's, I think that's wicked. Does God talk about any of that in the Bible? Is any of that in the Bible? Well, it's, 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 it's not in the Bible as as you just conveyed it, but but just by you being able to communicate that somebody took something out of somebody else's body to put in somebody else, that's, that's just an evil deed. Yeah. You know, that's just an evil deed. You know, uh, it's, it's, it's satanic in all its nature, you know, because it's bringing harm. On, on somebody and then you're trying to add to somebody what wasn't purposed for them to have yes you are listening to WHGE 95.3 FM, your hostess, me, Rochelle Wilson, for Make Some Intelligent Noise, and my most esteemed and honorable guest, I'm sitting in the presence of greatness today with Bishop George Gibson, president of the IMAC organization. And so, Bishop We've talked about so much. We've talked about, uh, you know, we've talked about harvesting and trafficking and uh, the prison system. And we've just talked about so much today. What haven't we talked about that you want to make sure that the people get your message? Tell us what you want us to know. One of the things that I have been kind of rehearsing in the ears of uh, pastors and also laity that the pandemic has affected everyone. Uh, I have three earned degrees. None of these degrees prepared me for how to minister to people in this pandemic. The trauma that it has brought to our communities, then the mental illness that has been lifted 
and, and so high and visible, and none of us were prepared to deal with that. You know, and so, you know, from part of my traditions, you know, we were to pray and cast it out and, <laughs> and, and, and sling some oil. Well, they, they, they need a therapist and a pill. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, and so I can't administer the therapy and the pill. Right. But, but somebody needs to do that. And so what happens is, is that we have to take our onus that we weren't prepared for this, but then ask God to give us wisdom how to deal with this, but also ask God to give us connectivity of how to send out people to the right people to help them through this. Um, I, 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 I share some things all the time that make you think differently. Um, the pandemic uh, put some of our children back into the hands of their abuser. <gasps> yes. Uh, the pandemic yes. put some women back into the hand of their abuser because, you know, the woman would go to work and come home late so that she could stay away from her abuser, the child, you know, would go to school and then go to an after-school program or something to stay away from their abuser. And we don't talk about that stuff. And I'm telling you that the trauma of children and women being abused, whether it's physically, mentally, psychologically, verbally, emotionally, all of those things matter. Physically, uh, what happens is that you see the evidence of the abuse immediately. But psychologically, environmentally, and emotionally, it scars from the inside out. And by the time you see it, it has wreaked havoc. And so what happens is these are the things we have to talk about. Uh, one of the things that I did, I created a new committee called Mental Wellness and Grief because the pandemic has, has given us death so overwhelmingly that we, we don't want to become desensitized to death. I, I remember one, one week during the pandemic, I lost seven friends. Well, how do you grieve seven people? Yeah. You, you know, so, so uh, you know, I hear one one day, and I'm trying to adjust myself to that. But before I can adjust myself to that, here comes somebody else. And so what happens is, is that uh, we, we need help. I, to, I, I said, whenever God gets us to the other side of this and it becomes post-COVID, Everybody's going to need to be on the couch. Yeah. Pew and pastor. Yes. Everybody. <laughs> I'll be first in oh, line. I oh, need some yeah. counseling. Everybody's going to need to be on the couch because uh, this is something that none of us uh, in our lifetime, we've never... But our babies, our children, I believe that because they're already underdeveloped, they're not grown yet, their minds and spirits are still developing... I truly believe that they have been the most impacted oh, by oh, the COVID. Oh, and some of this oh, running around, shooting people on oh, the porch while oh, they're yeah. sitting on their porch, and that sort of thing, is because of the trauma yeah. of the pandemic pandemic on our children. 
But what happens is, is that they, they go to school, then they can't go to school. Then they come right, home, then you're by virtual. Yeah. Now you. And my sister, and then our children, especially black and brown, I like the way you say black and brown, golden. Uh, our children have uh, one. Uh, everybody didn't have a Chromebook. Half the houses don't have no Wi-Fi. <laughs> Come on, you know, so you can't you can't get on no lesson, and 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 the mamas and papas don't want to sit there with their children because in their head, when it's time to go to school, those children belong to y'all teacher. They don't belong to us. Mm -hmm. Y'all supposed to be our babysitter all day, mm -hmm. and now I got to sit here with them. Parents don't know what to do with that. And parents may have already been dealing with their own traumas. Oh, right. and then the now you got five kids sitting around looking for computers and trying to go to school. Yeah. Nope, they're out the door. They're playing with their other friends. And then and then the digital divide. So you got parents who don't even know what they're doing with regards to making sure their kids get into. Because, you know, when you talk about uh, school online, everything is available online from their homework to the, to the sessions and this and then you have parents that are 